Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I am Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, entertainment, and more. You can catch me on BJ Shea's Geek Nation, and uh, you can also catch our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed the Magazine. We'll be working on the March issue uh, fairly soon. And, of course, you can catch us on Pinal, P-I-N-A-L-Central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of newspapers that run our game reviews. You can also catch us on great places like Sci-Fi Radio, N4G, Open Critic, and many more. This week, I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. Joey Z was uh, planning to join us, but he has something uh, fingers crossed for him. Looks like he may have something brewing back in the world of broadcast radio, so... Uh, we will be checking in with him soon. So we'll get started tonight. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. But before we do, I just wanted to mention a couple of things uh, that are out there that you may want to put your uh, eyes on. And first one is for music fans is Pet Shop Boys Dream World Greatest Hits Live at the Royal Copenhagen. And if you're a fan of the group or you're curious about what their stage show is like, uh, a lot of people forget earlier in their careers, they did not do uh, stage shows. And when they started doing actual shows, it was more like performance art pieces. So it's a very interesting and visually appealing look at their hits over the many decades. And uh, this is a very nice concert film. It's got many of their classic tracks, and it's something you will definitely want to uh, check out if you're even if you're just a casual fan of their music, you are definitely going to want to check this out. Switching over to gaming, there's a lot of interesting stuff right now, and we are going to be talking about the Xbox news and all of that soon. But right now I want to talk about a new game called Banisher's Ghost of New Eden. I am playing it on the PC right now, and it's a very interesting game. Uh, you have a pair of... Uh, a couple, basically, and they work as banishers. They go into haunted areas and clear out the ghost. They had a disastrous mission, and let's just say things go very differently, and one of them becomes a spirit, and the other one has to continue to work with them as they look for a way to liberate the town. And it's very interesting because you have the third-person perspective. You go in, when you meet with other characters, you have the branching dialogue trees, but then you also have to kind of figure out your way around. Do I jump here? Do I climb here? Do I go around? Uh, combat is rather interesting because you actually have to use special knives to take out the ghost and the demons, and there is a lot of really interesting stuff in there. So definitely check that out. Okay, gentlemen, so we had a lot of hype going around this week that uh, Xbox was going to be doing everything from revealing new consoles to dropping out of the console business altogether to putting Indiana Jones and Starfield on the PlayStation, so on and so forth, but yet things didn't quite go as planned. So, Michael, start us off. What did you uh, make of today's news? You know, what's really funny is I always I thought people were kind of blowing it out of proportion when I had seen the updates in the first place, because I, I swear people are so excitable about something as simple as saying, you know, we've got, you know, news coming uh, in a week or whatever. Right. I mean, it, they make they, they all of a sudden jump to conclusions. From, yeah. Like you said, everything from dropping out of the, the console race to 
oh, we're never going to do exclusives again, to saying that they were going to introduce a new um, uh, console that was going to be streaming only. And and again, I think, uh, I don't know if people are just starved for news or what, but every time I was, every time I, I saw one of the, something on YouTube or read some of those articles, I was just like, where are they getting this information? Because there's literally nothing in any of the announcements that, you know, that that kind of pointed to anything like that. And I think it was one of those things where you have a couple of quote-unquote insiders who report on something they think, and then all of a sudden people take that as, um, you know, that, that they have some sort of inside track, so they start reporting on it, and it starts, you know, going downhill. And the ironic thing is this was, you know, everybody from, you know, smaller um, stream people to bigger YouTubes, even places like IGN, a lot of these places were... Um, all speculating on this stuff and and what it turned out to be was really nothing i, I mean for the most part um i think a couple of things they talked about on today's that we kind of expected they said some of their exclusives i think four in, right now are going multi-platform which isn't really news um because i think they said most of them were like a year old or, or close to a year old um things like i think hi-fi rush is probably one of them that's going to probably go to switch and, and maybe playstation but it's not like Xbox hasn't done this before. Heck, even Sony goes um, multi-platform if you count PC. And the reality is even Xbox, pretty much almost all their quote-unquote exclusives come out on PC as well. So they've never really been a, a, a company that builds on exclusives. Um, and, and it's been that way for a while. You know, Game Pass, uh, there was talks about, oh, Game Pass is going to go away or it's going to change. And they're like, no, nothing like that's happening. I, I think the biggest news, um, and, and to me, this isn't really news, this is what we expected, um, was that Diablo 4 is going to be coming to Xbox uh, Game Pass, I think they said in March or end of March. Um, again, this isn't news. We all knew that once the Activision Blizzard stuff kind of settled down, that the, the hope would be a lot more of the Blizzard titles would go to Xbox Game Pass. Um, it would have been news if they had said World of Warcraft was going to go to Xbox Game Pass and your subscription and they Game Pass excludes, I mean, includes a subscription to World of Warcraft. Honestly, I think if they did that, they'd drum up tons of business. Um, but again, again, none of this is, is news. I mean, Xbox has been talking about streaming for a long time. They're already had that partnership with Samsung to have that game app that they can stream to. I, I do have two TVs that have it haven't done it only because I, I if I'm going to stream I can do it for my PC or for my Xbox itself I don't use the app but um, again the, that the biggest news out of all this was uh, Diablo 4 is getting a release date on Game Pass and four exclusive games are coming to multi-platforms again not none of that's very exciting now I guess Devil's Advocate you could say they did this intentionally to drum up um, you know, conversation. I, I don't think it was, it started that way. I just think that when it's, the ball started rolling, instead of trying to dissuade it by posting something else, which again, could have been looked at as just them trying to cover up something and would have caused even more discussion. They just kind of let it be until the, the conversation was um, this week. So yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of people really read into this one way more than I expected. And again, every time I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, none, none of the none of the rumors that are have I, I didn't read that in any of the comments that Xbox had put out or Mark Spencer had put out. 
um, about any of that. So the fact that they had all this the rumors blow up with the way they did, um, it just kind of shows you how um, in this day and age with uh, multimedia, social media, um, YouTube, all the various um, means to things, rumors can spread like wildfire and they kind of take on a, uh, they become the monster and they take on, a, you know, take on, you know, their own momentum to carry us into that. So uh, I think a, either people were relieved or disappointed or both. Personally, I was like, yeah, this is about where I saw it was going. So to me, it was just any big business as usual when it comes to uh, Microsoft in general. Um, and again, they, they confirmed that no, Indiana Jones is going to be exclusive, I think, again, for a while. But um, And they said Starfield is exclusive again for a while. Uh, but I don't think anybody is under the impression that Microsoft's not going to get take the opportunity to make money on other platforms. And, and to me, that's always been kind of the problem with exclusivity is the only thing exclusivity really helps is somebody like Sony or somebody like Microsoft or whomever. Um, it's not good for gamers. It's definitely not good for the uh, manufacturer, the game producers or the game developers because they're missing out on lots of money by signing these exclusive contracts. And you can say, yeah, they're, they're compensated, but I, I, I don't really know that they are. Um, so honestly, I, I would be okay if everybody said we're not doing exclusives and we're releasing for every platform. You know, that's, that's just me. But again, pretty much nothing came out of this today. And it, again, maybe people were surprised. I wasn't, but apparently a lot of people were expecting more. Jim, your take, please. Yeah, Michael's right. I mean, it was kind of in a very interesting phenomenon just because of how far it spread. I mean, I, I guess. Oh, my apologies. Uh, no problem. So Michael's right. Um, it was kind of an interesting phenomenon uh, to see how far this spread and how fast. I mean, I, I can kind of understand it from the under, from the perspective that the way Microsoft, they kind of they didn't really say much about what it what this would be about. And it was kind of an abnormal event because usually a lot of these companies, they have like kind of a showcase, you know, or something akin to like a Nintendo Direct or um, a state of play or something like that. Um, where, you know, that's where you kind of do your announcements. It's where you're kind of showing what you're working on. And this was different. This was Microsoft said, okay, we're, we're doing a business update, uh, next week. And it was so vague and lacking of, uh, detail that I think that's probably why this sort of spread so far and kind of grew legs in kind of strange directions. And I, I wouldn't say it was nothing, um, but it was pretty much like what Michael said. It's it was basically business as usual. They're kind of reiterating what their stance um, has been, and I, I think the only the only thing I took away from it is that it does show the direction my, or, uh, Microsoft is going in, um, which is the direction they have been going in a long time. Which is they are kind of going away from the idea of exclusives, um, like what Michael was saying. It's uh, basically they they have been launching all of their the, the the vast majority of their big games have been launching on windows along with with xbox um and a lot of their um their bigger titles also end up showing up either on uh on on sony you know uh platforms as well you know usually after a year or more and, and sony even does that now too so uh, this isn't really a new practice, and, and like you said too, the biggest news was probably um, 
Diablo 4 coming to, to Game Pass. But it, it was just kind of a strange event because it was kind of billed as something other than a showcase. And they, they announced some things that you would maybe announce at a showcase, but there wasn't really anything else. So kind of strange. Um, but yeah, it was kind of kind of a, a nothing burger um, compared to how it was hyped, definitely. But I can also understand why it was hyped because it, it was announced as something very vague and it was, uh, oh, this would be like a black swan. Like, oh, this was, you know, something new and unique that we haven't really experienced before. But no, it was really just a pretty basic business update, um, which kind of reiterates the uh, direction Microsoft has been going in a while. In a while. And that's the funny thing about this, because it was like it took on this life of its own to the point where they did this event, but it wasn't something that was hidden, but at the same time, it wasn't done up like an Xbox showcase. And so people, I think, as Michael and you said, had such crazy expectations that when it came out, it was like, okay, you know, uh, the old, this meeting could have been an email type thing. And it's not like they went out and overhyped it or anything. It's just what it was. It took on a life of its own. And in the end, it didn't turn out to be anything overly drastic. And, uh, you know, now people are sitting there going, well, okay, great. Now what? On the happier side of things, even though that it looks like it is being pushed back again, Marvel decided to let everyone know on Valentine's Day that, yes, indeed, the first family, the Fantastic Four, now that the rights are back for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Pedro Pascal, Vanessa Kirby, Evan Moss Backrack, and Joseph Quinn are the Fantastic Four. No news on who might be playing Doctor Doom, no news on who might be playing Silver Surfer or anything like that, but there you have it. Justin, we'll start with you. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting lineup. I, I think it's a good all, all good casting choices. Um, I think the one that I'm really most interested in, one you just mentioned, Doctor Doom. I think like I've mentioned it before. I really think Doctor Doom is probably the best opportunity they have to kind of create a new kind of compelling villain um, for uh, like a major story arc. Um, it you know he's obviously a, a very um, recognizable villain and i think that's what they kind of need to uh, one of the issues with king uh the conqueror was you know even compared to thanos uh in the comics i think king was still kind of relatively um unknown so doing someone like dr doom i think that's um a huge opportunity for uh for marvel to introduce a new villain who can kind of carry the story forward um, so I'm curious. I'm I'm curious to see how this goes. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I mean, I I like the the actor choices from a um, talent perspective um, is fantastic. I, I think all of the all of them are um, pretty well respected. All of them have a pretty good range of the types of characters they've played in the past. Um, so so yeah, I think. I, I don't have any issue with that. Um, and really, we don't really know much more other than, you know, they, we've, they've talked about potentially skewing the um, 
the main villain away from Kang for obvious reasons uh, and going towards, again, like Justin said, somebody more recognizable like Doctor Doom. And and I do think, uh, you know, again, the, the Fantastic Four, um, Doctor Doom, all of that does bring some familiarity. Um, you know, whether or not that's good or bad, you know, they've had movie releases of the Fantastic Four since the what, mid-90s, late-90s. Um, so it has familiarity with people, whether or not, again, people thought the movies were good or bad. Um, they're, they're popular. I think they're, they're popular enough that when people hear that, they automatically kind of have an idea of, of who they are, um, and, and, and what they are capable of, which I think is good. I think it, it keeps it from being too obscure. Uh, and as long as they do it right now, I, I, I kind of, the very first film, uh, of the Fantastic Four film back in the nineties, that that whole that that whole group, I thought that was okay. I, again, it was it was kind of at the it was kind of at, I think a real rebuilding part where the the superhero movies have gotten so bad that when it came out, it was like, oh, this isn't nearly as bad as like Batman and Robin was. So maybe that's why I give it a pass or 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 look on it a little bit more fondly. But but again, I do think it does provide something that's might be hopefully it'll be enough to get some excitement going again i think the cast is fantastic as long as the story and again that's that's true with a lot of these um is enough to not only drive that film but potentially um catapult dr doom into a more um overarching uh plot that will kind of tie together uh some of the marvel universe because even with with kang the conqueror i mean there was it, it still didn't. It still felt pretty disjointed. Like there wasn't, and I understand he was, he was featured in you know the the shows and and um, uh, some of the movies. But even then, I it just didn't feel like it was overarching enough. So maybe this is an opportunity for them to really get a more solid area to build on, and then hopefully build that out over you know several uh, movies, TV shows, whatever they decide to do with that after Fantastic Four comes out. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to put it. I mean, let's not forget we had the Daredevil trailer this weekend, finally, and I thought it just looked spot on. I mean, that, that you know, the sarcastic humor, the shots at the company, and that bit where he comes out and says, I'm Marvel Jesus, I mean, that has lit up the internet. So I definitely think the direction of what is coming is very, very intriguing. And I think, like you said, they just need to get a centerpiece villain, get it on track, and roll from there. So speaking of on track, Justin, we will start with you on this one. Uh, Prey got the Predator universe back on track, and now we've heard news of not one, but two Predator films are coming. What can you tell us about this, and what are you expecting? Yeah, so this is, you know, good news uh, for someone like me, a big fan of the Predator, well, both Aliens and Predator franchises. Uh, you know, it, it, as an aside, I do have to just mention, um, it's, it, it's interesting looking back when um, Disney purchased uh, Fox, there are a lot, I, I do recall a lot of uh, fans of the, the both Aliens and Predator uh, franchises who were quite worried that, um, you know, you know, understandably so. And I think I even was one of the people that said, or who kind of questioned, you know, do, does, does aliens, do alien and predator fit with the Disney lineup? Um, you know, they, they are very, obviously very, um, tonally different than what Disney is used to, but 
uh, obviously they're, they're they're kind of pumping out a lot of, of projects in both franchises. We have two Predator movies uh, in the works uh, at the same time, which I don't I don't think has happened before. Um, Aliens as well. You know, we've got one movie and a television series in the works. Um, so there's a lot of activity uh, as far as these two Predator movies. I mean, I'm happy to see this. Prey was great. I I really liked it. I'm, most most people did. Um, it was very popular. And I think rightly so. So there's a, a, a sequel to Prey in the works. And there's also uh, this new one that was announced um, called uh, Badlands. I don't know if it's Predator Badlands or if it's just called Badlands. Um, but it is being directed by Dan uh, Trackenberg, um, who also directed Prey. So I, I don't know if he's kind of heading up basically where predator as a franchise is going which obviously i'm fine with i think he kind of gets it um but this one is said to not be a i mean obviously they're working on a sequel to prey so this one wouldn't be uh this one is uh allegedly set in the near future that's really all we know about it so there's not really much to comment now as to its premise just because we don't know what it is but set in the near future um who knows um what it'll be about so we'll have to kind of see wait and see but uh, a lot of activity in the franchise which is a, is a good thing and michael you're taking all this please yeah no i agree i i you know when i we were at cinemacon i think when all this transition was going between um 20th century fox and uh disney that was you know they had they kind of reiterated to the the cinema the cinema owners at the time that uh, they understood that the Alien and Predator franchises were both um, beloved franchises, and they had said they would con- they would continue to tell stories in that universe. And I don't know that any of us really knew what that meant, but I, I do like the fact that they're um, continuing to to put effort and money into these franchises because I think there are lots of stories out there to still tell. And I think it's it's good that we're we're starting to see a lot more activity on that front. You know, it's, we've had a few, like with Prey was last year or two years ago, um, where we're starting to see, you know, some movement, uh, but it, but it's good when we start hearing about more of these um, films and, and, you know, streaming, you know, events and all that kind of stuff that are on their way. So, no, this is all good news. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I find really interesting is I'm very curious about the one set in the future. Uh, obviously I would be very, very curious to see how far in the future they go. You know, people are already, oh, please be colonial Marines. Please be colonial Marines. I don't know if we're quite going that far, but, uh, from what I understand, it does not take place on earth. So, you know, who knows? That is one of the rumors. And then Prey 2 is going to be very interesting because the little animation in the credits at the end implied that there was a lot more than one of them, uh, ships that are hanging around so it might be very interesting to see how they spin that and i also am going to be very curious to see are they going to say okay we had phenomenal success with hulu are we going to stay on hulu or are they going to dip their toes in and say you know what i think we can put one of these if not both of these in the theaters or will they try simultaneous launches who knows it's uh, going to be very interesting now, one thing I did want to mention, and we'll get a quick reaction from both of you guys on this, is that we had a little bit of news from Alien Romulus. Now, I have uh, been flooded with, when are we getting the trailer? When are we getting the trailer? 
if I had to go to it, people are like, oh, are we going to get it at, at um, WonderCon at the end of March? And I thought, you know, possibly, but WonderCon traditionally is not where the big cinematic reveals come. I think it's going to come on Alien Day on 426. But speaking with the Hollywood reporter, Isabella Merced, who is in the new film, uh, talked about a segment while she was out promoting one of her new projects. Uh, I'll just read this really quick. So this is from The Hollywood Reporter. We were When we were doing reshoots, director Fetty Alvarez gave me the iPad where he watches playback. He had the movie pulled up. Merced said, so I told him I want to see parts of it. He showed it to me. I was the one holding the iPad, and there were 10 people around me watching it on the iPad. There's a scene that I'm in, and they all had to turn away. Not one person stayed looking at the iPad because it was so disgusting. I was so excited. I love sci-fi. I do. So he let me watch half the movie on the iPad. So, uh, Michael, what do you make of this? Kind of reminds me of the time back when they they were showing the previews for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, and they said, you know, the most gory movies of all time. Um, you know, you're going to not be able to stomach it. You're not going to be able to... Um, so, so what I'm trying to say is, um, yeah, we've seen, heard this before and, and the reality is I think most people are, are, I don't want to say, well, I guess desensitized to a lot of stuff. I mean, there are a lot of really graphic, um, movies out there. That being said, I'm, I'm glad they're going to maintain an R rating and, and maintain it, well, assume, uh, presumably R rating, right? Um, and, and make it so it's, it's, you know, they're not holding, you know, holding back on it. Uh, but but yeah, the whole uh, iPad thing, I don't know about that. But at the same time, um, I'm not disappointed with that as being, uh, you know, uh, the direction they're going with it. Excellent. And uh, Justin, your take, please. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I think both, both you and I remember some of the marketing around, um, you know, both Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Uh, I think both tried to highlight, oh, uh, you know, we're going to top the chestburster scene we've got a scene that's worse than it uh you're gonna you know people are gonna walk out of the theater blah 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 i mean i, I love both of those movies but part of that i do think is it's it's marketing and, and it's good marketing i think it does you know get people interested and i and i will say just in an you know slightly more uh devil's advocate um fede alvarez i think will make a very graphic movie i mean um his his remake of of evil dead is very graphic um so i don't doubt that there are probably scenes in this movie that are quite graphic um but like what michael says um uh, I, I don't know if you know i it's very rare that we hear about movies that that um are so graphic that people start walking out these days uh it just it doesn't seem like it happens anymore just because there are a lot. Of, there is a, a desensitization effect because there, there are a lot of movies that do push, um, push hard um, uh, on particular scenes. So it's not it's not exactly as unique uh, as back in like the sixties or seventies when a lot of special effects were being revolutionized and that would be like the first time you saw something um, that approached that level of uh, of um, of violence on screen. So. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know if, if it's really gonna, you know, be what she's ta talking about, but it probably will be very graphic. 
It's interesting, too, because I was thinking about The Thing the other day, the original one, not the uh, remake, and that was incredibly graphic for its time. And, in fact, many people attribute that's why it did not do so well in its initial box office run. Nowadays, you look at it, and people are like, wow, these are good effects. This is a good story. They're not grossed out by what they're seeing on screen. And, like you said, desensitization. Now, I was thinking about that. The closest I can remember is you remember when Terror Fire 2 came out. People were talking about, hey, some people were getting grossed out. And I would have to say Terror Fire and Terror Fire 2, they're extremely low-budget horror films as probably the most graphic stuff I've seen. I mean, there were, there were some scenes that were just really, really over the top. And I was sitting there going, eh, you know, I'm probably very desensitized to this, but I could see how some people would say, you know, this is a bit much at the same time. I'm also looking at it going, this isn't real. This is, you know, just some special effects. So on, They've got a third one coming with a much bigger budget. I'm very curious to see what they're able to do with that. But, um, as you know, I think with Alien, you can't be doing the PG-13 route. I think we found very clearly people don't want to see that. And so we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm curious to see what they have. I'm hoping we get the announcement of some of the video games soon and uh, we can go from there. So, folks, a couple things to wrap up. I wanted to mention on our site at sknr.net, we have a lot of D23 uh, stuff for members. But I also wanted to mention that we will be doing two panels this year at WonderCon. I cannot give you the dates, times, and panel rooms yet, but I can tell you one of them will be on upcoming video games to be excited for. And the other one will be on the Fallout franchise, and we'll cover both the television series, the games, and the extended universe. But around that time, I wanted to kick off that not only is the new Knott's Berry Farm Hotel getting ready to launch with the remodels done, the Boysenberry Festival is going to kick off on March 8th. And if you've never been there, it's fantastic. There's a lot of uh, specialty boysenberry-themed foods, everything from steaks out to desserts and drinks. There is all kinds of uh, special events, contests, live entertainment, so on and so forth. And, of course, uh, definitely don't want to miss it. They have the brand-new 30 Acres Kitchen opening at the hotel. Had a look at the menu, and it looks fantastic. We're regular guests to the hotel, and not having the restaurant there was a bit of a pain. Thankfully, Mrs. Knott's Chicken was there, and we were able to get that and take it to the room. But lots of stuff uh, happening. We have a full write-up on the website to uh, give you guys an overview of that, and we're looking forward to that. That is going to do it for us this week. We're looking forward to being back next week. Until then, everybody, stay safe, be well, and have a good week. <laughs>